Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Pumping once, now throwing long down the left side. Slaughter has it. He's going in for a touchdown. The Browns have won the game. (laughs) Throwing deep down the left side. Slaughter is open. He got the ball. My DBM brothers and sisters, I'm a Browns fan fighting through feelings of true apathy. My name is Thelonious7 and you, you're listening to Straight No Chaser on the DBN Network. Welcome to a Monday morning edition of Straight No Chaser, a Monday after witnessing a 17 point defeat of our beloved Roaring Helmets at the hands of our former team. You know, I spent a lot of time recapping these games, and I probably should talk a little bit more about this one. And this morning, I woke up and saw that Easy had done about 20 minutes on this game, which is about 20 more minutes than I want to spend talking about it. You know, earlier in this year, I had at least some hope for the future of this team. But now, by, by watching this squad, I don't really feel much of anything, maybe even less than that. At the start of the calendar year, you had Sashi Brown, the benevolent, capologist constructing the team and you look at the squad at the end of the last campaign eking out a single victory on Christmas Eve to miraculously keep the team out of the record books and then after that game game against the Chargers at home there was the Steelers game where the team really did everything in its power to lose the game that would assure them of keeping the first pick and Looking back at that game, and even as the Chargers game, the game that they actually won, this team has pretty much defined itself as what it is. That's kind of a squad that can compete for three quarters before coughing up a late lead. And to me, it's been remarkably consistent in that regard. In a certain level, it's it's pretty much this that's gotten to me, you know. I don't mind cheering for a team or pulling for a team that's losing with a purpose. And I even sat here and said, I'm cool with bringing everybody back on this uh, organization, even at 0-16, because really, what is the point of winning four games? It's certainly more palatable than a zero or a one-win season, but I don't know, not by much. Also, you're going to have to draft the quarterback high in order to get the kind of... uh, boost you're going to need to turn your organization around. And what sucks about this team is the minute that we brought in Dorsey, we essentially screamed from the top of the rafters that the last two years have been a complete and a total waste of time. This is why I'm apathetic right now about this team and this organization. We haven't learned a single thing by losing. Not one thing. And why... 
Why, why did we do this? Why did we suck for two years and then bring in somebody who says that we had no idea what we were doing and then let him run, let him run, and run his mouth about it with literally no one to check him in the organization? I mean, this last week, there has been so much virtual ink spilled about Dorsey's talking about the real football, real football player thing. I mean, people talked about how it offended the players on the team, and, and certainly there are a lot of problems with his quotes on a lot of levels. But the thing that gets me most about it is that, as Isaiah Crowell pointed out, this quote is pretty much straight up true, as well as completely unnecessary to state as your team is moving toward a winless season, which you're trying to avoid. I mean, who are you trying to send a message to with that kind of a statement? Are you trying to send it to the fans? Because really, as a fan, I don't really need to hear you tell me that the team sucks. I've been watching the team for longer than you have, and I know it sucks. You do realize why the team sucks so bad, right? We had awful free safety play. We had poor wide receiver play. But more than anything, we suck because we've had absolutely horrific quarterback play. We have the most picks of any team in the league, and we put the ball on the ground more than anybody else. We also don't get the ball back on defense very much, which is why we are minus 24 in 14 games in the turnover differential rate. That's nearly two possessions a game. And for a rookie quarterback like Kaiser, who has been otherwise decently, modestly productive, the fact that he's giving the ball away so much, that's really the difference between the team being, you know, mildly awful to being as dreadful, downright awful as it is right now. And, you know, as Dorsey said this, in the end, you know, I'm thinking about Deshaun Kaiser, and is, is Kaiser really not a real football player? No, right, no, right, right, no. Actually, Kaiser is a real football player. He's a real young football player. And there's no question in my mind that he is the best quarterback on this roster. And to me, I'm okay with him playing. And I'm okay with him losing all 15 or 16 tries. To me, this is the only way to go with a young team. I mean, why try to be the Jets? Why fight for that fifth win? Who cares about the fifth win? Bringing in McCown is stupid. I mean, you aren't going to the playoffs. Why not try to get better for next year right now? I think it's what this team did. And right now, if management doesn't see why this was the correct path to take, then why are they even there? If you didn't think it was okay to go 0-16, then why did you not retain RG3 or McCown? Why did you bring in a roster with absolutely zero quarterback wins and expect to get angry when nobody wins any games? I mean, right now, people are all over Deshaun Kaiser. My boy, uh, L-Dog, was just texting me about how bad Kaiser is, and Right now, I feel awful for this guy. It's not his fault that the wide receiver play has been so awful. I mean, last week, people want to get on him for throwing a late pick, but no one wants to see how Njoku's drop cost the team the first win. I mean, he holds on to that ball. The team wins the game. Everybody's celebrating for what Deshaun Kaiser did last week. Three touchdowns. It's not Deshaun Kaiser's fault that his coach thinks that it's right to call plays for him as if he were a 10-year vet. It isn't his fault that he feels like the games are on his shoulders to make plays. 
And then, of course, you bring in a GM in Dorsey, who is more tone deaf of his struggles than the previous GM. I mean, it's bad in Cleveland. And what sucks is I have to give Dorsey a chance if I want to cheer for the Browns. I also have to let go of my deep, deep skepticism for ownership. And, and, you know, I think I can do it. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I can. In my head, I keep going back to the rant uh, from one of the guys from KNR, Rizzo. And usually I'm not the guy who needs to hear uh, radio personalities rant and get crazy about sports, uh, the sports franchise failing or whatever. But right now, as I'm going back in my head and listening to Rizzo rant about this team, I hear his criticism for Coach Hugh Jackson, and man, it, I think the guy was right on. And it's 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 sad. I don't even want to admit it or say it, but it's true. You know, right now, I just don't think I can do another year of Hugh Jackson. Since Sashi has been ousted, Jackson has seemed to have earned a nickname in some of the threads on Dogs by Nature. And it's the nickname of Wormtongue, which, in my opinion, this is completely appropriate. I mean, really, the only reason to bring a guy like Hugh Jackson back is for the advantage he would get for being able to coach the Senior Bowl. But really, I am so close to not being able to watch the Browns anymore. And the stadium is not even half full. I mean, people can't even give their season tickets away to people. And Why are you even going through this whole futility thing? I, I get you want consistency, but Jackson won't sell tickets. A stronger roster might, but the organization needs a guy who can rinse the bitter pill of the last two years, especially when, as an organization, you're admitting that you didn't know what you were doing then. Just listening to Jackson say that he couldn't do it again next year is reason enough for me to see that he should be released to go to Natty. And we should move on with anybody else. Going into this offseason, we should be so excited about this draft. And maybe in uh, 45 days, a month and a half or so after the Super Bowl is done and over with, we'll start to get some perspective on it. You know, according to Thankathon, we are going to have two of the top four picks in this draft, which I believe is unheard of value. And I, I actually like this draft class. There are plenty of players in areas where we are weak that can really help this, cl- this club. And right now, and I've I been talking a little bit before about Josh Allen, and I actually like Josh Allen quite a bit for what we're doing. Uh, although, like, in some ways, I'm not really clear on what the direction of the organization is. And I guess before I could understand why drafting a guy like Josh Allen would make sense. But now, I guess like if you're thinking about having the first pick for sure, it's probably a toss up between Darnold and Rosen. Personally, in this situation, I'm taking Darnold. And with my fourth pick, I'm taking Minka Fitzpatrick. But I could also get down with with Cortland Sutton at the fourth pick or a blue tick, chip talent like Bradley Chubb as well. You know, there are a lot of players and a lot of directions the organization can go. And just sitting there and taking the best player possible could be really a fun exercise for us moving forward into the next months. You know, really, it should be so exciting. It really should be. But I really wish we could move past Hugh Jackson. At the same time, I'm not sure how this group could do it. 
You could have probably found a coach, a young guy like McVeigh would have made sense for an analytic group or something. But you're not going to find a football guy like Dorsey once very easily to walk into Cleveland. Take over for this team. Going into the next week, the Browns get their last chance to put a mark in the win column. And at this point, you got to see that the Steelers are going to have to win out to get a bye. Oh, and, and by the way, did you see that Steelers game last night and the way that they lost? I, I really, I, I'm getting, I'm getting, getting kind of stressed out or frustrated with some of the officiating calls. I mean, that the catch by Duke Johnson at the end of the game yesterday, where the ball touched the ground at some point. Like for me, I, I feel like this is clearly a catch. The same as the fact that uh, I think it was Jesse James made this catch that would have been the game-winning touchdown for the Steelers. Ended up going for naught uh, because of a horrible call by replay officials. For me, I feel like if a guy has the ball and it's a catch, the fact that it touches the ground doesn't really make it that he didn't catch the ball. If you control it to the ground and you keep the possession of the ball through the, through the ground, cool. Now, if you hit the ground with the ball and the ball shakes around and falls out and you have to kind of reclutch it or something, okay, that's not a catch. But in the end, what happened was the ball touched the ground and just by route the idea of him touching the ground with the ball, the ball shook around. And that's not an incompletion in my opinion. That's a catch. In the end, uh, they're going to have to do something about this rule as that was a completely unfair ending to the game. One that really ultimately probably ends up taking a chance for us to get an easy victory at the end of the season due to the fact that the Steelers are going to have to play to get their bye. The Bears are beatable even for this team in Cleveland. But right now, though, if the Browns lose, there might be people waiting at the airport for Hugh when he comes back. For everyone's sake involved, I hope that they will have a bathing suit in one hand and a bus ticket to Cincinnati in the other. And with that, we'll put this one in the books. Guys, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to make the DBN Network a part of your day. Please leave a comment in the comment section as it helps to facilitate discussion with you, the best fans, and all of professional sports. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Thelonious7 on the DBN Network. Take care. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed.
New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.